You're listening to the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast for Tuesday, December 17th, 2019, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, everybody. My name is Kevin McGuire. I'm your host here for the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. It's good to be back. We took a couple days off. We had some issues going on, had some scheduling conflicts, but we are back. We're ready to go. We got a lot of stuff to get caught up with in today's episode. We're even going to have a quick mention of Penn State basketball. Yes, you heard that right. We're going to mention Penn State basketball in today's podcast, but we also are going to recap some of the latest headlines coming out of the award season. The honors continue to come in from Micah Parsons. We're also going to have an update on the bowl game now that we know who's going to be coaching that game for Memphis since the last time we discussed this on the podcast. And I'm going to take a look at some of the recent success of a former Nittany Lion at the next level. So we've got a lot of stuff to get into in today's episode, and I'm happy to be back here with you talking some Penn State football with you on this podcast. We do try to do these episodes every day. We're going to have an episode for you every day the remainder of this week. I promise you, I guarantee you that right now. So make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcasting app, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate the feedback, and it does help promote the show on those various podcasting apps as we move forward. And, of course, we want you to be a part of the show, so stay connected with us on Twitter, at LockedOnNittany, and check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. Now, with all that out of the way, we do have a lot to get into in today's episode, so let's go ahead and get started. a few things I wanted to mention in this first opening segment to kind of get our feet wet back with this podcast as we took a little bit of time off. You, As I said before, it's going to be a kind of a tough couple of weeks right now with the holiday season. The work schedule I've been putting in I uh, had mandatory overtime last week, so it kind of cut into some of my opportunity to get some other assignments taken care of. Unfortunately, the podcast did have to take the back burner just a couple times, but we are back. We're ready to go. This is going to be a much better week. I can already see it with the schedule, the way it's lining up. But I did want to say that I got a chance to go to the Army-Navy game again this weekend in Philadelphia. I was unable to go last year because I was feeling under the weather. Uh, But I have been covering this Army-Navy game for a number of years now. And it is always the coolest thing I get to do. And I'm going to say right now, if you have a college football bucket list and the Army-Navy game is not on it, that either means you've already been to one, so it doesn't need to be on your bucket list, or you don't know what you're missing. And I'm going to tell you right now, the Army-Navy game, is an absolute must. If you ever get the opportunity to go to an Army-Navy game, just do it. You don't need to have any rooting interest in this game. Just go there for the pageantry, the tradition, from start to finish, even with the walk-on, I'm sorry, the march-on before the game. It's a pretty cool experience to go check it out. They usually have this game in Philadelphia. I know, I think it's coming up in uh, MetLife Stadium in the next couple of years, but whether it's in Philadelphia or New York or Baltimore. Honestly, I'm going to say it's the best in Philadelphia because I'm a little bit biased because I'm from the Philadelphia area. But I'm going to say time and time again, anytime anybody asks me about the Army-Navy game, I'm going to tell them it is the coolest game. It is the best bowl game atmosphere you can possibly get for a regular season game. Half the stands rooting for Army, half the stands rooting for Navy. The vibes and the electricity in the stadium, no matter where it's being played, just before kickoff, is unmatched i'm telling you right now there is no rivalry that is as cool to witness in person as the army navy game 
And I threw out a video, if you follow me on Twitter, at Kevin on CFB, I threw out the video of my viewpoint for the post-game singing of the alma maters. As you know, or may not know, the winning team always gets to sing their alma mater second, and they always stand side by side with each other. Or, you know, obviously Army stands behind Navy, Navy stands behind Army. But the winning team always gets to sing their alma mater second, and it is a wild scene when that winning team gets to run over to their side of the field for the singing of their alma mater. So I threw out a video on my Twitter account if you want to go check that out. That just gives you a little taste of what that rivalry is all about. And honestly, it's one of the coolest things in college football. Obviously, rivalries are what separate college sports, I think, more so from pro sports. I think there's a lot more invested in rivalries at the college level. And so when you have a good rivalry going, it is really cool to see in person. Uh, even if you don't have a connection to a, either team in that rivalry, getting a chance to go and see it in person, play out the way that the Army-Navy game does, for example, you got to go take it in, experience it. Because honestly, Penn State doesn't really have that anymore. And you know, some would say they never really had it in the first place. But in today's game, you know, I think Penn State-Ohio State games, Penn State-Michigan games, they're electric. There's no doubt about that. But there's just something truly special about a rivalry game where both teams really <laughs> pinpoint the success of their season hinging on that one result at the end of the regular season. So I think it's a pretty cool atmosphere. Again, if you ever get the chance to go to an Army-Navy game, I cannot recommend highly enough that you go do it. That was the highlight of my weekend. Obviously, there's a lot of other stuff happening around the world of college sports. And let's just take a moment right now to recognize the early success of Penn State men's basketball program. Now, I have said before, you're not going to hear me talk a lot about other sports outside of Penn State football on this podcast. There are so many other resources that I will gladly direct you to for basketball commentary, for hockey commentary, wrestling commentary. I'm not an expert in any of those fields. I don't really pay attention to any of those. But if you want Penn State football conversation, you're going to get it here on the podcast. But I got to recognize the early success of the Penn State men's basketball program, cracking the AP top 25 for the first time since the 95-96 season. I think it was actually in 1996 that they were in that top 25. Obviously, that was a team that went on to the NCAA tournament. And it looks like that's where Penn State could finally be heading once again this year under Pat Chambers. So it looks like there's some good groundwork being laid. And I know the people that have been following the basketball program for as long as they have, have felt pretty comfortable about the direction of the program. And I can't be happier to see it. I, I'm, you know, I'm not an basketball expert in any may stretcher or the imagination, but I do hope that there is some success there. And I hope that this is the page being turned for that Penn state basketball program. This is the first time that the men's basketball program at Penn state is ranked in the same season as Penn state's football team is ranked while the seasons are both going on. They've both been ranked within the same academic years before, including that 1996 year, uh, 95, 96, but this is the first time that both programs have seasons ongoing, and Penn State's is ongoing with a bowl game coming up, that both programs are ranked in the AP Top 25. So I thought that was a pretty cool fact because when I saw that, I went back into the College Basketball Reference website to see when that last uh, overlap may have happened. And I, I wasn't necessarily stunned to see that it never happened before because of the way that the schedules play out. And you know the further back you go, 
the sooner the football seasons end and the later the basketball seasons start. So it wasn't necessarily a complete stunner, but I was surprised to see that it had never happened once before. So this is the first time history has been made with the Penn State men's basketball program and the Penn State football program. Speaking of history being made, before we move on, Miles Sanders, former Penn State running back, continues to rewrite Eagles record books at the NFL level. He is continuing to have a season that gets better and better. And the Eagles have really needed to rely on him these last couple weeks, especially this past weekend against the Washington Redskins. He continues to rewrite a lot of Eagles rookies records that have been standing for a good amount of time and have had some good players come through that uh, franchise and kind of raise that bar. But Miles Sanders, after a little bit of a slow start this year, has turned into a really good addition to the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm going to say as an Eagles fan, I'm perfectly happy with that. So a lot of good success for Miles Sanders at the next level. And uh, that's a good sign for Penn State moving forward. It's a nice little recruiting chip too, because Penn State now has a couple of really good running backs doing some things in the NFC East with Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders. And if you know that James Franklin is going to be drilling that home with some star running backs in the years to come. And of course, as we've discussed on this podcast before, running back positions in a pretty good shape right now moving forward anyway. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year 2019. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live and Locked On Nittany on Twitter, and we will share and retweet with our followers. We've talked previously since the end of the regular season about some of the postseason accolades coming in for Penn State sophomore linebacker Micah Parsons, but on Monday... Things just continued to roll for one of Penn State's best defensive players that had the last few years. Micah Parsons was named to the Associated Press's first-team All-American team at the linebacker position. He was also named to the second team on ESPN's All-American list, and he's been receiving a number of All-American considerations from some other outlets as well. Too many to name right now off the top of my head, but Michael Parsons has certainly been well regarded as one of the top linebackers in the country as this postseason and the award circuit has been putting on full display. And that's a really good sign for the future here as far as Penn State's defense is concerned. And again, it's just a tremendous credit to the work that Michael Parsons has put in to becoming the player that he was supposed to be capable of being for Penn State. He can be one of those difference-making players on defense, not just in any particular game, but he can really help transform and shift the way that the defense is going to be recruiting and developing talent and playing in the years to come. He has the opportunity now to leave a legacy that others will be looking to match and maybe even exceed, which of course would continue to raise the bar for Penn State. So Micah Parsons is actually the 101st All-American in Penn State program history. First one since Saquon Barkley back in 2017. And he's the first sophomore to become an All-American since, ironically enough, LeVar Arrington back in 1998. So again, this goes back to what I was saying. You know, Micah Parsons now is doing something that's only been done once before in this program's history. And when LeVar Arrington is the guy at the same position who's been able to set that standard at such an early level since joining the program. Now Micah Parsons has finally reached it. So who's going to be next? Who's going to be the next guy that uh, comes into the program and says, I'm going to do what Micah Parsons did. Just as Micah Parsons probably came in and said, I'm going to do what LeVar Arrington did. And here he is. He has done it. So this is a, this is a pretty cool story. And Penn State did a really good job of sharing this on social media. When James Franklin 
gets on the phone to call up Micah Parsons to let him know that he's been named an All-American. Now, if you don't know, that the football training facility has a wall that has pictures of everybody who's been an All-American wearing a Penn State uniform. And like I said, the most recent one is uh, Saquon Barkley, and I believe Carl Nassib was the one previously before that. I think that's what it was. So James Franklin gets on this phone. They do the video phone call with Micah Parsons. He, James Franklin's walking down the hallway, shows the phone or shows the, the wall as he's walking by to Micah Parsons and says that he's going to be added to that wall. That's got to be a pretty cool moment to know as a football player goes through the football building as often as Michael Parsons does, you probably walk by that wall time and time again. And that's something that a lot of players, you know, when they think about their personal goals, that's something that you got to aim for to be an all American, because if you're an all American, that means you're being successful, not just on an individual level, but you're very likely helping to contribute to the team's success, which has certainly been uh, the main story here for Penn state. The last couple of years, they've had a lot of players contributing some individual successes that have led to the overall team success with the number of wins that they have the last few years, the last four years under James Franklin, and now going into another New Year's Six Bowl game. So it's got to be a pretty cool moment to get that phone call with James Franklin, and he's showing you the wall and saying that you're going to be added to the wall. But what made it actually even cooler was Micah Parsons' reaction. Obviously, he was pretty humble about it, and he did say at some point during the phone call that he was ultimately disappointed that Penn State is not playing in the college football playoff. They're not getting ready for a playoff game. So that tells me that he understands the ultimate goal here. Obviously, having the individual success is fantastic. But being a team leader and being a main player for a team that's competing in the playoff, that is the ultimate motivator here. Now, say what you will, this is very well possible that this phone call was staged and set up for social media purposes. I'm not going to be naive to the fact that that probably doesn't exist out there. So I'll leave that window for that conversation out there. But if this was genuine, that is a really good sign. I think for the kind of character that Michael Parsons has, which I think a lot of people have probably agreed with He's got a good level head on his shoulders, which is always good to have. And it shows you that he does have more aspirations for the team's success moving into 2020. And James Franklin reminded him, let's just finish this season on a strong note. They do have another big bowl game coming up here against Memphis, which we're going to talk about in our next segment. But ultimately you get the idea that the kind of culture and the kind of uh, vision that James Franklin is instilling throughout the staff and throughout the players, throughout the program, it's ultimately to raise that bar. And that's something that James Franklin talked about in the HBO show about working so hard to get to a certain point. And then you got to work so hard to get to that next point. Right now, Penn State is working hard to get to that next point, which is, again, winning a Big Ten title, but ultimately playing for a spot in the college football playoff. And then, of course, winning one after that. But Michael Parsons continuing to leave his mark here at Penn State. The linebacker position continues to be in a very strong footing as long as he's there. He is only a sophomore, so he's going to be going into his junior year. And the way things are looking, it's very well possible he may only play one more year at Penn State if things continue to develop as well as they have been on the field. He's going to be one of those players that a lot of scouts start to look at and start to rank on their mock drafts as one of the top linebackers in the country. It just goes with the territory. And it's a good territory to have. It's a good problem to have when you have players that are as talented as uh, Michael Parsons has been for Penn State and should be again in 2020. But you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. For right now, 
Penn State has one of the best linebackers in the country, and they've got that for one more bowl game this season, and then we can start to look ahead to the 2020 season. But uh, congratulations to Micah Parsons on all the honors. He continues to wrap up for his job well done this season. So we'll see where that leads in the bowl game, and we'll see where that leads Penn State's legacy at the linebacker position moving forward. I'm not quite ready to dig into breaking down the Memphis Tigers for you on this podcast, although I have, will say once again, this is a very dangerous team that Penn State's going to be taking on in the Cotton Bowl. I've watched this team basically all season and really the last couple of years. I do a lot of uh, pregame preview coverage for Athlon Sports and I like, get the Memphis Tigers coming up on my assignments every now and then. So I've done a number of those pregame previews for Memphis Tigers games this, this season, the last couple of seasons. And I've also done some halftime and postgame updates on college football talk involving games with Memphis playing in them. So I've become pretty familiar with the program. I know a lot of people are still kind of getting used to or getting familiar with the program from a Penn State point of view. Uh, if you're a casual Penn State fan or just a casual college football fan, you may not be paying much attention to Memphis. But I'm here to tell you right now, this is a dangerous team that Memphis, or I'm sorry, that Memphis, that Penn State's going to be playing in the upcoming bowl game. And we're going to reach out and we're going to bring in somebody that knows Memphis a little bit better than I do uh, so we can get some kind of a, an expert opinion on the Tigers in the very near future. We'll probably dig into that starting next week. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you're subscribed. So we've got some analysis coming your way before we get into the big bowl game uh, down in Arlington, which I still think is going to be a pretty cool experience. Penn State has never played in that bowl, in that stadium before. They've obviously played in the Cotton Bowl, but the last time they played in the Cotton Bowl, they actually played it in the Cotton Bowl. This is a brand new experience. That should be pretty cool. Getting a chance to play in Arlington in, in the Dallas Cowboys Stadium it's a pretty cool experience, and it'll be nice to see Penn State finally get the opportunity to do that. Obviously, still some bigger goals. They would still rather be playing in some other bowl games this time of the year, but you know what? The Cotton Bowl is still pretty cool, even if it is being played in that NFL stadium, that giant monstrosity down in Arlington uh, known as Jerry World. But we do know that Memphis has their head coach for that game. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention, Memphis's head coach, Mike Norvell, has been hired away. He's taking over the job at Florida State. And the big question as of the last time we did this podcast was whether or not Norvell was going to be coaching Memphis one final time in that bowl game. Well, that's been confirmed. He's not going to be coaching that game. He's shifting all of his focus to Florida State, which I sort of expected would be the case, given that we've got a national signing day coming up tomorrow, actually, which will be fun to talk about in tomorrow's episode and Thursday's episode. Uh, but we do have uh, an idea of what was going to happen here. Memphis promoted internally. They promoted Ryan Silverfield to the position of interim head coach, and now he has officially been hired as the official head coach of the program moving forward, which to me seemed like a pretty natural succession there for Memphis, uh, getting a guy that is as tied to the Memphis program and the region as Ryan Silverfield is. That's a good addition for the program as, the, as far as the head coach is concerned. He's been the offensive line coach. He's been the run game coordinator. He's very familiar with this offense, and Memphis's offense has been really kind of the key to their success the last couple of years. So I uh, don't expect much to change with the offense. But before we wrap up this episode, I wanted to address a question that was thrown our way last week that we never got a chance to address on the podcast. And I'm going to paraphrase it slightly because I don't have it right in front of me, but it's been sticking in my mind since last week. And I wanted to make sure I got my thoughts out there. And this is probably something we'll explore again next week as soon as we get ready for the game. But again, to paraphrase the question, 
should you be concerned about the emotional aspect of this game? Is it kind of like an X factor? Are you going to get a Memphis team that's a little bit more fired up? And is that going to be something that really changes the outcome of this game against Penn State? And honestly, I don't think so. I think there's always a possibility that maybe Memphis gets off to a good fast start uh, because of the talent that they have offensively and the way that Penn State's defense has played at the start of games <laughs> coming down the stretch of the season should be a little bit of a concern. But ultimately, I don't think it's because of the coaching situation. There are probably some coaches, or I'm sorry, some players on the Memphis roster that maybe want to show up a little bit more and maybe leave a message to Mike Norvell about what he's leaving behind to go on Florida State. But ultimately, I don't think that that's nearly enough of a concern uh, or enough of a factor in this game one way or the other. Uh, I think that would actually be something that Memphis should be very cautious of to make sure that they're not a little overamped for this opportunity. You got to think about this from Memphis's point of view here, okay? This is one of those group of five teams that's getting a chance to play in one of those big New Year's Six Bowl games. And the Memphis program in particular has come so close to being on this stage the last couple of years. They've just fallen just shy of capturing that AAC championship because a team like UCF was standing in the way. And UCF was just one score better, two scores better when it counted the most. But now Memphis is finally here. So they're not going to take this situation very lightly. This is something they've worked very hard to get to. So they're not going to waste this opportunity. And the fact that they got to go up against a big-name program like Penn State, I think is uh, – I'm not going to say it's a reward – because it's not. This is something that they are working to achieve. This is something that they've worked very hard to get to, and they don't want to waste this opportunity. And so they're not going to make some stupid mistakes. Or they may, there may be some nerves, honestly, playing in this game in this big stadium uh, against a crowd that well, I guess we'll see what that crowd's going to be like down there. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of Penn State fans, but uh, I don't know how full the stadium's going to be for starters. <laughs> I don't know what the atmosphere will be like once the stands are. Uh, filled with as many fans are going to be there but you know it's going to be nerve-wracking for a lot of Penn State players too probably although Penn State at this point even though they have a lot of younger players in some key spots here it's a program that's been building for this same kind of thing right they've been building to be on this stage on a regular basis and to an extent Memphis has been doing the same thing so obviously they're coming from different angles they're coming from different starting points but both Penn State and Memphis have been working to play in these kinds of games. Now, obviously, Penn State and probably Memphis too, they would love to be playing in some bigger games as well. But, you know, you cannot take this situation for granted. It's going to be a, it's going to be a great experience for both programs. And I think the fact that you have a new head coach getting his first chance to coach this program as a head coach, you know, maybe there's a little bit more of an adrenaline rush. Maybe there's a little bit more will for some Memphis players to make sure that they do their new head coach proud. And obviously, this is a statement opportunity. I think anytime you get a group of five program going up against a power conference program, especially one from a big conference like the Big Ten, I think it's a, it's a statement opportunity. And Memphis is fully equipped to make that statement. I'm going to be cautious, cautioning you of that for the next, I don't know how many episodes until we get to the game, but this is a Memphis team not to be taken lightly, but I do not think that we're, there's any reason to be worried about any kind of an X factor as far as the adrenaline rush and the emotion of this game. I don't think that Penn State is going to be flat in this game. I think they're going to show up. They're ready to play, and I think Memphis will be just the same. So I fully expect that this is going to be a hard-fought contest. 
and I think it's going to go into the fourth quarter. But we'll talk about that more next week as we get ready for the game coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I look forward to discussing it with you moving forward. And that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Locked on Nittany Lions podcast. I know we got a later start this week than we usually do, but we're going to be here the rest of the week because we have a lot of stuff to get into today. We still have bowl conversation to go into. We still have some recruiting stuff that's coming up. I have a number of thoughts that I jotted down for possible inclusion on in today's episode. Didn't get a chance to get to them. So we have some content still to come in the days to follow here on the podcast moving forward. So make sure you're subscribed on all of your favorite podcasting apps, such as iTunes and Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We have an RSS feed, so if you need that, throw it into any app I didn't just mention. Go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead and rate and review. It really does help us out moving forward as we try to grow the show uh, into the 2020 uh, calendar year and, of course, the 2020 season. We still have a long way to go, but uh, we do appreciate any feedback and support you guys can lend us. And, of course, we want you to be a part of the show as well. So connect with us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. Coming up in tomorrow's episode, it will be National Signing Day on Wednesday, so we'll have some thoughts to get your day started about that. And, of course, on Thursday, we'll recap everything that has happened on National Signing Day. Uh, spoiler alert, I do think that Penn State's going to gobble up the majority of their recruiting class for the class of 2020 on Wednesday. So we'll kind of look ahead to what that National Signing Day could look like for Penn State in tomorrow's episode. And if you have any questions about anything, you can always submit them as well at any time by checking us out on Twitter at LockedOnNitney. Once again, I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB and check out my national coverage at AthonSports.com and NBCSports.com's College Football Talk. We are getting into bowl preview mode, so we have some bowl previews coming up on Athlon Sports as well as NBCSports.com. I think I'm covering the Cotton Bowl for both of those outlets, so make sure you check out all my Cotton Bowl thoughts. And, of course, we'll kind of recap some of those on this podcast as well. So lots of stuff to get into in the coming episodes, so make sure you stick with us all week long. we got a lot of content coming your way right here on the Locked On Nittany Lines podcast. So until tomorrow, guys, have a great Tuesday. Have a great opportunity to go 1-0 today, and we'll see you tomorrow. We'll be right back.